everybody. Welcome to the Crossroads Review slash Critique Revolve. Hello, I'm Michael Flores, your host for today, and I'm in the studio with Ryan Denton. Hello, Ryan. Hello, hello. All right, so today we have a special treat, I think, for, well, number one for us, it was a treat, uh, and number two, a treat for a lot of our listeners out there. We were able to screen via the press screening just tonight the house with a clock in its walls hmm. directed by Eli Roth and written by Eric Kripke. Now you hear those two names and immediately you're like, okay, Eli Roth, massive gory horror films, yep. Eric Kripke, supernatural. How is this all going to work? There's a, a gimmick here. It is actually a kid's fantasy horror film. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about throwing the curveball on, on the two on the two people that you would think would do that. Exactly. <laughs> so you have two people who write scary shit for the most part, <laughs> doing a kid's horror fantasy. Uh, those ingredients ended up making a damn good fun movie. I totally agree. Totally agree. It, it was it was very surprising. Um, the, the vibe right off the bat was was um, very entertaining. Um, I think that's the key word yeah. right now. Entertaining. Yeah. Now, how we're going to do this review, Ryan, is much like we do a lot of our reviews. The first half is going to be spoiler free. And then towards the end of the show, towards the end of the review, we're going to take a little break and then we're going to continue and we're going to get into some spoilery type stuff. Right. All right. So The House with a Clock in Its Walls is an American fantasy film directed by Eli Roth, as I had mentioned, and based on the 1973 novel of the same name by John Belairs, the film stars Jack Black, Kate Blanchett. I, let me just stop right there. <laughs> Again, just more of what the, a yeah. lot of what the fucks. Like, the, really? But these aren't, these aren't bad. What the, like, they're not bad. What, they're like, holy shit, how did they put this together? Yeah, what because the fucks? you put these four names together, Eli Roth, Eric Kripke, Kate Blanchett, Jack Black. You're immediately like, what? They're doing a movie how? together? Like, that's just... <laughs> You don't really expect all those names being thrown together to uh, for a film or even a TV show or any other project. They, right. they usually do very different things. Uh, the cast also includes Owen Vaccaro, who was the young boy. Uh, the synopsis, a young orphan named Louis Barnevelt aids his magical uncle in locating a clock with the power to bring about the end of the world. It's a pretty good synopsis, straight to the point, and, and pretty much sums up the movie. Yeah. Now, the, for film buffs, this is a big picture as well. Produced by Amblin Entertainment. And mm -hmm. for those people that aren't in the know, Amblin Entertainment is Steven Spielberg's production company. That is ran by Steven Spielberg, right. Kathleen Kennedy, and Frank Marshall. Three superhouses, right. powerhouses. So, again, Eli Roth, Eric Kripke, this has to be one of their biggest pictures they've done. Well, I know for a fact it's, it's uh, Eric Kripke's biggest project. Right. So it's interesting to see how all of this came about. Now, personally, I was excited for this film for various reasons. Number one, big fan of Kate Blanchett. She's one of my favorite actors. I don't know how you couldn't be a fan of her. She's, she's amazing. She's just so good in everything she does. Uh, Eli Roth. I have followed his career all the way back to the Howard Stern days, and people may not realize he was a, a, a guy who worked on Howard Stern's movie, Private Parts, years ago, and he kept telling Howard he's going to be a big movie director. 
and Howard made fun of him live on the air. <laughs> that, that doesn't sound too surprising. <laughs> no. And Eli Roth, I think two years later, yeah. wrote, directed, produced the breakout horror film Cabin Fever, which I, if you're squeamish, Please yeah, don't, watch, don't watch it. It's one of the most disturbing movies I've ever seen, but it is well directed if you're if you're into those, <laughs> those types of, of horror films. With Hostile, though, too. Yeah, that if if people may not have heard of Cabin Fever, most people have heard of Hostile, and that's also directed and written by Eli Roth. He was also the Bear Jew in Inglorious Bastards. Great role, dude. That that's one of my favorite characters in all of like movies in general. He was so good. He was great. He was so good. Patty fucking Williams. <laughs> Love that scene, dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then also he just directed the recent remake that actually came out uh, this past year titled Death Wish. And most importantly, number three reason why I was so excited. <laughs> and I think this is the more obvious. Yeah, this one's obvious. Is Eric Kripke's involvement. The creator of a show called Supernatural. And even if you are not a fan of Supernatural, I think most of you know who this man is. Uh, the mastermind behind the TV show Supernatural, the creator, original showrunner for, for the first five years. Now, he's a filmmaker's filmmaker, and that's something that a lot of people may not realize about Eric Kripke. He loves the genre entertainment. Right. Uh, he's hip enough to bring a cool factor to everything he does, and something that a lot of people call him, and myself included, he's a lot like the Tarantino of television because of his love affair with pop culture. Yeah, he 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 does a really good job of if anything that he touches, doesn't matter if he's writing or um, you know, producing, it has that pop culture flair to it. Mm-hmm. And that's what made Supernatural popular to begin with anyways and was fun. The, and fun. And yeah. I think we definitely in this film you see kind of his that's his modus, you know, like to to touch and, and put that pop culture in there. So he did a really really solid job um with this and and that's what i love about kripke in general is that he really does like he has fun with his project yeah and i think that's the coolest part about it yeah and he manages to weave those pop culture moments and almost all of his projects even in something like this movie that takes place in the 50s where uh, you're gonna have to really date yourself to understand some of the pop culture before, prior to 1950 so there wasn't a lot of room to throw that in however i'll say one spoiler that's not really a spoiler but at the very end of the movie the kid tells jack black to punch it which we already know that kripke throws that line <laughs> in every single project he's ever done it's been in, it's been in supernatural it's been in his other tv show revolution it's been in the other tv show timeless and Punch It is obviously a nod to Star Wars. So that was fun. In fact, you did a, a very noticeable chuckle when you heard that part in the movie. I did. Oh, yeah. 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 So I, I think a lot of, uh, of Supernatural fans out there, I think they're going to get a kick out of watching this movie. Uh, the fun thing about this movie for SBN fans is that Kripke also included various Supernatural Easter eggs throughout the movie. Uh, so as a Supernatural fan going to see this on the big screen, uh, this is just an additional element that I think fans are going to really have fun with looking looking for as they watch the movie, which we're going to go over those. I wasn't able to ta- find all of them, but we're going to go through right. various Easter eggs at the end of our review. Well, I'll tell you, like, you know, when you asked me to do this review, I, I, um, I hadn't even heard of this movie. No joke. I went yeah. into this completely blind, guys. Um, I, uh, Thomas was going to do the review with you, and he had something come up, so so I was able to do it. 
And I, the only thing that I ever watched was one trailer. That's it. Yeah. I didn't know anything about this movie. I didn't even know that it was being, it was made. Um, and after I watched a trailer, I, I sent you a message like, wow, that looks really fun. And the vibe that I got watching the trailer and, and I actually really liked the goosebumps movie with Jack Black. Yeah. And I got that vibe of like yep. a fun time with, you know, a kid's movie, but still had some, some darkness to it. Um, you know, especially cause it's centered around, you know, something scary. Um, but for me, I really watched the trailer and I thought, okay, this is going to be a fun time. And I'm not going to lie, man. My expectations were, were, were met. I yeah. mean, I, I had a blast during this movie, something that, you know, with, with, with the director, Eli Roth and, and with being Kripke writing, I thought, man, I don't know how they're going to pull this one off, but yeah. I, dude, I, We'll get into it, but it was it was really neat. That is one of the biggest questions I had as well. When I was surprised to find out that Eli Roth was directing a horror, a family horror film. Right. A, a family horror fantasy film is probably a better way to right. phrase that. Yeah. Um, it, it just came as a surprise because being a protege of Tarantino and coming up with that crew, he's got that similar love uh for film and in particular the B films of the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm, yep. So he's got a style that I immediately fall for. Yeah, that, I know I know your like, style that you like. Yeah. And I know that he falls right in your genre of like oh, yeah. that B film kind of horror movie but has the the really neat kind of tight shots. Yep. And and I think uh when when you told me about this and I and you said Eli Roth and horror I was like, "Oh god." Yeah. Cuz I'm guys, I'm not a huge horror fan. Not at all. Uh, not yeah. at all. Like I I I'll watch them you know, occasion when someone's like, Oh my God, it's really good. But like, I still haven't watched hereditary cause you told me it scared the shit out of you. <laughs> um, so I'm not, I'm not really into horror movies, but when you said that, and then I watched the trailer, I was like, Whoa, this is, this is something different. Yeah. Especially from Eli Roth. So I, I, um, but yeah, he has that particular B film kind of 60s, 70s style that I know you immediately just fall in love with. Yeah. And it lends itself to a very violent type of, storytelling as right. well it just kind of goes hand in hand with that era and that's why i was surprised to see that he was going to be doing this because i was like how are you going eli roth you're like the gore master right, how right. are you going to do this movie how is it going to satisfy you as a director that you're not really able to deliver those types of things so going into this movie that's one of the things i had on my notepad that i wanted to look for I'm like how is he going to do this and i and i had some things that i caught during the movie that i think he adapted for a children's you know kind of special effect right. yeah that i think get kind of probably appeased his side for the gore oh yeah and, and i think well you know we'll talk about it but it's it's there were certain shots i was like oh that's that's coming from a from a director who likes a little bit more gore and likes to scare the shit out of yes, people exactly because there were those moments that were absolutely unsettling yes unsettling like there was so the the way i describe it is is like when i watched it Okay, the new, the remake. Unsettling. Un- there was a few, unsettling to say the least. There, I can't believe you watched that. I watched it. It was a great, fl- great film. I had to watch it. People just kept telling me to yeah. watch it. And there were a few scenes where like I got goosebumps and it made me like shiver. Mm-hmm. And there was a couple scenes in this where I was like, ooh, you know, yeah. like kind of had to like shake it out. Like, oh yep. man, this is, this is kind of creepy, Well, I dude. think you looked down a couple times. I, well, I wasn't scared or anything, but yeah, no, there was a couple times like, just like, you know, and I'm not like, going to nah, look at I'm that. I'm not into that. You know, I saw it and it's, they're, they're holding the shot a little too long. I'm just going to look this way yeah. for a moment. <laughs> it's like, I don't need to look at this anymore. Like, I get it. Okay, guys. Cool. Yeah. Um, now, bring it back just a bit to that gore aspect. I think anybody that has followed Kripke's career, you know, he has proven that he is able 
to kind of fool the censor boards just a bit. Yeah. Uh, of course, if you take a look at his five-year run for Supernatural, uh, in particular, the first, I'd say, two, three seasons, he was a master of being able to creative creatively deliver scares right without the gore he he it was it was a lot of the the camera angles yes. and the and the and just well timed well timed yeah. directing you know yes. the directors he chose to work with his scripts and i think that's the same thing that we saw here i think it's a good chemistry you know eli roth and kripke working together because if anything, this is a challenge, I would say, that's placed on Eli Roth. And because I know he is a good director, whether you're into his movies or not, I would even imagine that he thought of this as a challenge, as a director. Hey, I get to make a scary movie that's for kids, and I can't rely on gore. I'm going to have right. to rely on what Kripke does. Well-written scenes and if executed correctly, will deliver the needed scares. Well, one of the things that we always talk about, too, when we talk on Supernatural is that we're we're really big fans of the um, kind of the sleight of hand. Like, hey, you don't really need to see the scare to be scared. Exactly. And I think that's one of the things that they did really well in this movie. There was a few scenes where it was like, hey, there's an implied scare here. And mm-hmm. you get that creepy feeling. Right. And I think that's, that's one way to do it, especially, too, when you're writing a, a movie for – Technically children. I mean, let's be completely honest. It's a children's book. So yeah. for them to write a scare that would kind of creep me out as an adult, okay, that's that's smart writing yeah. and smart directing and, and using what you have to not only get that creepy vibe off on like the, the children, but also get that creepy vibe to the to the adult that's watching the movie too. Right. And isn't that the challenge in this day and age? You if you expect adults to go see kids' movies. I mean, right. we already know that kid movies always make lots of money. But the way they keep bringing back those parents is by making movies that can cross over, that not only appeal to children, but also appeal to the adults that have to take them. Because there would be a whole lot of adults and parents in particular I'm talking about that would just be like, you know what? I am not going to go see any more shitty kid movies. (laughs) Uh, They don't ever, you know, they're never good. So that's why you see a lot of these these production houses and studios very carefully packaging these kids movies so that they can also attract and in some and in some level relate to the adults as well right and that's something that they were able to uh do in this movie yeah i I totally agree i felt like you know this is a movie that you know yeah based off a children's book and and there were a lot of actually there were a lot of kids in the theater for the screening um Mm -hmm. And and what I what I did notice too when we walked out is a lot of the adults there were a lot of adults that went and saw it and and I felt like they were really thoroughly entertained they were that, right yeah I think this would be a movie that like, I could take someone to go to it doesn't matter if it was you know a my, my cousin of mine or you know a, an adult friend I think or we a would hot have, date or a hot date um I we would have a good time it would be a fun movie that had a little bit of scariness to it but it was a fun movie it's um, interesting you bring that up because one thing that I noticed after the movie is that people clapped and cheered. Yeah. People actually. Yeah. And interestingly, that never happens during screenings unless is one of the big movies, the Marvel movie yeah, Star or Wars. the Star Wars movies. Yeah. That's usually what gets that, that applause at the end. So they did a great job captivating the audience. The fact that this is a regular movie, it doesn't have the rapport of Marvel or Star Wars and that it, it 
it elicited that type of feeling to where people That's when they, when you went to the closing credits, boom, people clapped and were very happy and and for the most part, uh, it seemed very positive as people were walking out of the theater. I didn't really like we you know because every time we do these these reviews, you walk out and you kind of listen to what people you hear. Are people saying. murmur and usually yeah. they're bitching. Yeah, usually <laughs> they're bitching and moaning and they're going to go talk on their Tumblr about how this movie is you know has microaggressions in it. Um, Speaking of Tumblr, oh god, um, oh god, there were some moments that I just want to say thank you, Kripke, for putting them in there, and Eli Roth not listening to you know, oh, I know. societal like <laughs> norms where normally people don't want those non PC moments. There was a lot of non PC moments in this, was there not? Yeah, there was there was one in particular that made me laugh. Um, actually, very very Go hard. Ahead, you can say it. Um, so there's a scene in the movie. Spoiler, not really a spoiler, but. They're deciphering um, a map and they go to a an ice cream parlor. <laughs> okay. And they are deciphering this map. And I'm not going to give away what the map is for or anything like that. Right. But they're they're deciphering this map. And every time that Jack Black gets angry, he strikes the table and some magic happens. Right. Mm-hmm. So at one point he strikes the table and there's a hefty kid <laughs> in the corner who has finished his Sunday. And then he gets a brand new Sunday and the kid goes, <gasps> And gets super excited, yeah. and then he hits the table again, and it disappears. And he goes, "Oh, yeah!" And it it made me laugh because I would probably be that kid, like, "Yes!" Oh, yeah. But it was very much a non PC moment. Um, I think definitely it's something you don't see in movies anymore. Is no. is the non PC comedy? And I like that they did it, not because I need that edginess. No, but it's it's just nice to see that there's people out there that their number one goal is to entertain and make people laugh, and they're not sitting there having a sense of humor exactly, and they're not thinking, oh, let me erase that because it's not going to get you know the react a positive reaction. I mean, there was obviously a fat kid joke, and there was various other things throughout the movie where I was like, ooh, (laughs) spicy. Yeah, this is fun. (laughs) Like you don't see those things even in. Some of the the raw comedies, uh, movies nowadays, you just don't get some of those yeah. non PC jokes. Yeah, I think I think you know nowadays it, it even certain things like that as as a as a yeah as a is a fat joke, but like things like that it, are but, even. It, but it wasn't like mean spirited. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Because if I were sitting there and I finished my Sunday and another Sunday appeared, I'd probably <laughs> be excited too. So <laughs> we're all fat kids we're deep down fat, inside. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. So like. <laughs> I think it was just uh, there were certain yeah there were certain things that were not you know um, redacted because of you know the the the, the political state of PC nowadays um, you know and I always relate it to you know movies like Tropic Thunder that would never get made now because never. of because of the way they are and I think yeah. every now and then you know I'm glad that there are directors and, and writers who will still kind of push the envelope even if it is something kind of you know, so mild like that. Yep. It still is nice to see that, you know, like I said, man, I'm, I would have got cited too. So it was just a funny scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think I'm glad that they didn't like, you know, try to yank it out of there because of it. Right. And some of that could also be the fact that Eli Roth is directing it. Yeah. And maybe this is the, even the reason why he was interested in, in directing this movie because he probably might've felt uh, you know, he might have been drawn to it because of some of the things that Kripke had written in it. But even Eli Roth is he's very he's not a little bit. He's very fucking edgy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Super he, he doesn't edgy. play around no, in his movies at no, all. Not at all. He, if you're going into an Eli Roth movie thinking you're going to see, you know, PC, then you're in the wrong place. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, 
a yeah. guy he 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 bashed a dude's head in with a baseball bat in a movie. Like I, there's no way, dude, that he's like he was the bare Jew for yeah, fuck's sake. I yeah. mean, come on. Yeah, like come on, guys. The, 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 it, it, I mean, in Cabin Fever, a guy's fingers got eaten up uh, when he put it into a woman's vagina. He's edgy. <laughs> It, it, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't have anything to follow up after the <laughs> vagina comment. <laughs> All right. So let's get into the writing aspect yeah. of this. Uh, and again, the obvious, it's Kripke's writing. Uh, excellent, <laughs> excellent script. Yes. I can't blow it enough. No, I, I, one of the things that I really, you, you talked about earlier was just the pacing and like how we got into the movie and we're like, oh shit, it's like, it's over. Like it was one of those movies where it felt it was, wasn't super long, but it felt like I I never really felt like, Oh God, you know, like let's get going. It was, it was, it was paced so, so well. And, and the, the portions that were a little bit slower, I was okay with, they were put in the right place um, to kind of tell the story and weave the story. Um, So one of the things I I definitely dug was the pacing of the movie, because for me, like with my ADHD, if the movie doesn't have good pacing, I'll sit there and like, you know, twiddle twiddle my thumbs. Yeah. And I think this one was definitely really well paced. Um, and then they, they fleshed out the story at the right parts. They used the flashbacks it, it really, really well um, to tell black the story. Black and white flashbacks. Yes, which was, I, I'm a sucker for black and white flashbacks. Too. Oh, yeah. So much. So, yeah. And especially the setting of this movie, that time area, that 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 10 years after World War II mm-hmm. um, and, and that, that 1955 kind of greaser vibe, you yep. know. Um, I definitely dig that era. So they did a really good job of using the black and white. And 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 it, for me, I thought that was was really neat. Just the pacing in general really kept me interested in the movie. Yeah, I agree one hundred percent with the pacing. I know when we walked out of the theater, we were surprised that it was only what a hundred and four minutes. Yeah, so it's under two hours. But this is classic Kripke writing. Um, I, we have we have gone on and on about episodes of Supernatural right. where we would look at the running time and you're like 25 minutes in, you're like, wow, we still have another 37 minutes to go in this episode. And and so much has gone by. And that's how I felt when I was watching this just in the first act alone. And it's not in a bad way. Y'all jammed packed with just a bunch of exposition. Not none of that at all. It's all the positive. It's just so much was thrown into the first act, the second act, the third act that you felt like, it was a complete movie mm-hmm. all within under two hours. And the reason why I bring this up is because nowadays we have movies that are two and a half hours long, two hours and 15 minutes long. And you're still they're still struggling to tell a story. The pacing is just all over the place. Yeah. And like I always one of the movies that I really liked that I thought was just paced weird was The Revenant. It was like there was 30 minutes of that movie you could cut out and it would still be the same movie. And it's like that's the kind of things that I look for now, you know been doing this stuff with you guys for what i don't know five six years now but like these are the things i look for like for me because i am your average kind of movie goer when i sit there i go okay am i entertained if i'm entertained for the hour or 104 minutes then i won't ever bring up like oh i was twiddling my thumbs or looking away or i was you know wanted to check my phone you know shit like that where i never had that feeling in this movie you know, like my phone was going off and I was like, I wanted to throw it. Yeah. I was like, can you fucking, I'm trying to watch this movie. Like, can you stop? Like, yeah. And, and that's, again, that's the writing aspect because we were emotionally invested right from the start. Mm-hmm. It was a story that 
I think most of us can relate to. It pulls the audience right in. It's something that a lot of people relate to. And it was about family, which, again, is very Kripke-esque. I mean, that's one of his strengths, and it's in, it's a part of almost every single one of his projects. Absolutely. And I feel like using family is is a is a cheat a bit, not in a bad way. It's it's a cheat that works because everybody has family, uh-huh. whether it's positive or negative. It hits you right and in the field. Most fields. people can relate to some type of family issues. So yep. when you utilize that aspect and you use that kind of kind of as like the, I would say the the theme of. Yeah, the theme of the movie, yeah. mm-hmm. it really helps the audience not just get drawn in, but actually stay invested throughout. And that's why you don't have those moments where you're twiddling your thumb or scratching your balls a little too long or looking the <laughs> other way, you know? Um, another thing that was done very well is the well-timed use of narrative imagery, the scare tactics. And that's yeah. something that we had mentioned at the top of the review. And again, this was something... Uh, that was a very big question going into this movie. How is Roth and Kripke going to deliver the scares without the use of gore? And they were able to do just that. There was so many great timed moments, well-timed moments where your your guard was let down. Mm-hmm. And then, boom, suddenly something happens. And there's a few moments where you actually jump. Again, remembering this yeah. is a kid's film. And, and not just – and, and not to take away from the writing, but a lot of it also had to do with the directing as well. Eli Roth and I think Kripke had some great synergy and the meshing of their style worked so well to help bring out Roth's style. And I'm just going to say this. This might be – I'm a big fan of Roth. This might be one of Roth's better movies in terms of directing it's not my cup of tea in terms of style i prefer right. you full like, on horror right. rather than a kids movie but when you're breaking down the academic values or the academic merits one by one this might be one of his better well, directed films one of the things you have to look at and, and you just actually brought up the great point there was he's typically done gore horror right yeah and for a guy that that his his cup of tea is gore horror Mm -hmm. to go and direct a movie a kids fantasy slash horror movie and and you for you as a as a film critic to say that it's one of his best works is saying something that's showing you that the guy's range is there he just needs the product the projects to do it yeah he needs to have the opportunity he needs to have the opportunities and i think you know i was there was never a point in this movie where I was like, oh my God, why am like I was grossed out or 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 oh, messed yeah. up, you know, like like I would if I watched like Cabin Fever or Hostel or whatever. Um but I also that like you said, there were a few shots in this that were really disturbing and and creepy. I mean the dolls, the 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 dolls in general, like shit like that just creeps me out to begin with. Yeah. So that was creepy when the wife started like gyrating and like unholy movements scare the shit out of me like it was in, in, very exorcist i i always um relate it back to like silent hill and the uh, nurses yeah how they just jaggedly move mm-hmm. that jagged movement that's so unnatural gives me the fucking heebie-jeebies yep. dude and i think that was that was disturbing um and there were just some classic horror shots too mm-hmm. you know um the tomb opening in the hand you know, just these these certain that's classic B movie yeah, monster movie. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think those are those are shots that are classic horror shots that if they weren't in the movie, it would be it wouldn't make any sense. You know, yeah. 
Um, and it's interesting that you bring up the the aspect of Roth having the opportunities mm-hmm. to do something besides the gore horror. I have a feeling, I, I think it might be fair to say that Eli Roth is also thinking that way as well. It's time to kind of branch out a bit. Uh, the gore horror isn't necessarily a mainstream thing currently. It was big when he started in the early 2000s moving into the mid and late 2000s. But now this is a different era. We're kind of moving into the psychological horror. That's what's really big right now, like the conjuring yeah, the, yeah. and hereditary, as you had mentioned. And perhaps he's saying, hey, in, in order for me to keep directing movies, I might need to branch out and utilize my skills as a director elsewhere because we also have the movie Death Wish that came out this past year. That's not a horror movie. Right. I mean, it's it's definitely a gore fest, There's, it's, but it's a, re- it's, a, it's a revenge flick. And then you have this movie following that up i i think it's safe to say that eli roth is attempting to branch out and i think when a director does that it shows their willingness mm-hmm. to evolve well i think it, it, and they, challenge themselves challenge they, they they think outside the box they say right. okay they're not getting comfortable anymore right or, how would i not allowing themselves to they, be comfortable they look at a scene that is challenging or a scene that you know would be appropriate for kids and they go, how would I do this if this were my scene in a movie that I've done before? Now I've got to think outside the box. And how will this – how will I do this scene to translate it to maybe a younger viewer, still get the creepy vibe or the scary vibe across, but not do it with the gore and the same shit that I've done before? Not only yeah. does that make you a better director. Absolutely. But it makes you someone who now you are a, a rounded director yep. where you can say, okay, now when he goes and does another gore flick, maybe there's a scene in the next gore flick that he does that's a psychological scene. Right. And now he makes that movie that much better because now he's tra- transferred from gore to a psychological scene. And now when someone goes to watch that movie, they not only pee their pants, they poop their pants too <laughs> as well. And I think <laughs> that's a big thing though. Yeah. As a director, you always want to – in, in anything that you do you want to be well-rounded right yeah and you never want to get comfortable exactly yeah you do the same shot over and over and over and over and over again people will be like oh great the same shot i've seen 82 times right. you know i actually admire roth for doing this yeah. honestly it's just because it's completely out of his wheelhouse straight out of the box man yeah so i guess ultimately it's safe to say that uh roth kripke they were a power team when it comes to this movie and roth took that blueprint and made it come to life. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that he respected the writing because there were things throughout this film that were obvious Kripke moments. We already know that the writers on movies don't have a lot of say. Once the movie is written, it goes out to production. The director gets involved and he's the boss. He's the one that's going to rewrite things and change things. And and whether or not you know Roth changed a lot, it's hard to say without, without, knowing. without knowing for a fact. But when you go through this movie... There's a lot of those moments that are obviously Kripke moments as well. So that tells me as a viewer and as a critic that he respected what was on that page. And I think ultimately by looking at the end product, that's absolutely what he did. He respected what was on that page. Well, it wouldn't surprise me either in one bit if Roth and, and Kripke talked a lot about the script and, and the, and the, and he wanted to get his vibe. I, I think I would be really surprised if that weren't the case. There has to be the reason why he was even drawn to this. Yeah. Has and, to be, and right? it always comes down to that script. 
Eli Roth, yes, he could do it for a paycheck, but he can also do another movie for that paycheck. The guy is not hard for work. I mean, yeah. he are hard up for work. He I don't can, think this was a paycheck thing. I think this was something he really wanted to do. I mean, he, he didn't he say he was a fan of the book? I, I cannot remember. I thought maybe I'm going to look it up, but I, I definitely think that this wasn't, this wasn't a paycheck thing. This wasn't, a, I think this was a, an, a challenge himself thing. Yeah. And also he enjoyed the, the, the writing yeah. I think is what it was. And I think it was just such a, as a film buff and someone who just loves movies, it was fun to see, you know, Roth, you know, this master of horror, uh, take this script and create convincingly creepy moments from that page and and not just creepy. And we had touched on this already at the top of the show, but just truly there were uh, truly unsettling moments that were uncomfortable. As you mentioned, there were dolls. Um, there were toys. I believe there was a supernatural monkey as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that those that dumb fucking monkey that, God, that, that. has those, yeah, uh, those symbols. Yeah. That's creepy. I hate those fucking things. Yeah. So he... I feel like he was using every aspect as a director to create the look of this film. Uh, the production design was on point. Mm-hmm. The Victorian style steampunk vibe. And as you had mentioned, that post-World War II look, that to me is always intriguing. And it lends itself very well to the the B film era mm-hmm. that actually was very popular also in the 1950s. It was a sandbox that I feel like was just a great place to really create something fantastical and it worked. Mm-hmm. It was a high quality B film in a, in many ways. Yeah. There was a lot of B film shots. Um, yeah. I mean, some of the, some of the, the, the images looked like it could have been ripped right from those old monster films. Yep. Absolutely. Which is not a bad thing. I mean, no. Hell, there was one shot where we see the kid's favorite superhero on TV, oh, and that I was that, that was a straight B. That was a you know an, a straight B film, very Flash Gordon. Yeah, E-ish. Flash Gordon. Yeah. yeah. And I I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um So there, yeah. I think there was it was a beef a B film vibe with the high production of today's you know uh, CGI and things like that that made it what it was yeah um there was a few shots that were just honestly there was a lot of humor thrown in too yeah we haven't even mentioned the humor no because there was a lot of stuff that i was kind of i was laughing like giggling yeah and that has a lot to do with the good casting choice of putting jack Mm, black in that role for the comedy relief because that guy i forget how good he is he i don't think jack black gets enough credit no he does not he absolutely does not. He's one of my favorite actors. And it's funny, man. He he can do a serious role. He can do a funny role. He can do the goofy role. I, I just – there's so many things I've seen him do. Um, I mean, dude, I, I mentioned, mentioned earlier Tropic Thunder. I love him in Tropic Thunder. Oh, he's very good in that. Yeah. I love him in the in Goosebumps. I loved him in Jumanji. There, in, in Jumanji, he was amazing. I, there's just so many things that he's done. That I just don't think he gets credit for, man. He doesn't. And you bring up all these other fun movies he's done. And there may be people out there who may think, well, he kind of does the same thing, you know, in every movie. And for the most part, I would I I don't want to completely agree because Jack Black. Yes, he's Jack Black. But there was a seriousness to him in this movie as well. And it wasn't just the humor. There was very serious moments 
that were heartwarming. And he delivered some very serious lines that I felt worked for this movie because mm-hmm. again, remembering that the theme of the movie was, was family. And during those moments when he needed to put away the funny man mentality and, and quit smiling and doing those eyebrows and the funny faces he yeah. makes. And he's a convincingly, he's convincingly a good actor as well. Well, I think also and we don't get to see that a lot in other movies. Mm-hmm. He does. They don't give him those opportunities. I think also being paired with Kate Blanchett, it it uh, it, it brings wa- the best out of him. Yeah, I think yep. so because she's a she's a phenomenal actress. Like she is she's good in unbelievable in yeah. everything that she's in. I mean, I didn't like Thor Ragnarok, but she was the best part of the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and she was hot as and, oh hell. my god, dude. Oh, we won't even get into the black eyeshadow <laughs> thing. Um, but no, that the, there's just so many things that she's done that she's so fantastic, in. and I think pairing. Jack Black, who, like you said, doesn't get the chance to kind of do the serious kind of mm-hmm. role with Kate Blanchett, who has done the serious role. Um, the art films. The, the art films. She's yeah. done. She's the done action that. films. The, she's done it all. She's done everything, man. The the Lord of the Rings. She's mm-hmm. done everything. So I think for her to be paired with him was such a great casting choice because they could feed off of each other. And he could show that serious side because I think she brought it out of out on it yeah that's a great point because working with actors myself they have said that they've had they've said that they there's no like hey give me tips bro like actors don't do that shit that's douchey in their world but when you're paired with the right actor many times if you're with a really good actor it does in fact bring out the best in you because you're 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 it's not competitive but there's just hey you're doing this i'm doing that we're both honing in some some terrific acting abilities and we're going to work together and deliver the best we can on this page. And absolutely, I would not I don't doubt it 100%. I don't doubt it at all that Kate Blanchett did in fact help Jack Black well, deliver those those uh important moments. There there was one scene in particular where they got you know, they were jokey jokey for the most but there was one really serious scene. And she serious is up and he serious is up and it's I was like, oh, shit. Like, it was a very, very. Um, it was powerful. It was a very powerful scene. Yeah. Probably one of the most powerful scenes in the whole movie. It was fun. And you brought up their bickering back and forth. Oh, my God. So good. I loved it. That was probably one of my favorite parts about this movie. And it was very Kripke esque. Oh, yeah. I never oh, read totally. the book. So I don't know how much of that is from the book. But the the back and forth reminds me of bitch. Yeah, you know, just Sam like the Dean. Sam and Dean bickering, yeah, the, the insults—they just hurdle at each other. That's exactly what I got from it. Absolutely, absolutely, definitely, definitely one of the funnier parts of the whole movie is their bickering. All right, so let's just move right into our our overall thoughts, final thoughts on this movie, and then we'll get into the spoiler section. Go, okay. ahead, you go ahead and just go first. Um, you know what, man, I'm, I was pleasantly surprised in, in a very, very good way. I, like I said earlier. I didn't know anything about this movie. Never read the book. Didn't even know it was going to be a movie. Mike asked me to be on it. I watched the trailer and that's literally it. Um, after I watched the trailer, I'll say that I had this very much a, a fun goosebumps kind of ride to it that I, I really lit. I did was intrigued about going into the movie. Um, I, I, I really, I like this movie. I probably will watch this again. Um, this is a movie where it's fun. You can have a good time. You can also get that creepy vibe from it. And, but it's also a movie that you could take your kids to go see. Um, and I, and, and I don't think that it would be too over the top for them. 
Um, but as uh, overall, the visuals of this movie were great. There was some really cool like CGI. Like one of the things that I have a really, you know, I love Harry Potter. So I always love the, the, the moving pictures and things like that, that they use in the magical world. And there was a, uh, one of the biggest parts of the house is a pane glass window and it changed. And that was one of the coolest scenes in the whole movie, uh, that the, the, the chair that was really kind of neat. There was a, uh, I guess a lawn. what was that? The, 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 the cat like a lawn Griffin. Yeah. Whatever. It was some kind of a magical fucking shrub that turned into a Griffin. And it was one of the funniest shit. This movie was just really overall a really fun ride. Uh, yep. And I, I think that, you know, I could I could give it a grade. I could tell you, but I really just had a really good time. And I think it's been a long time since I went and saw a movie. I think literally since Jumanji and I saw Jumanji in the theater, I had a really good time at that movie. And, and weird coincidence, Jack Black's in both of those movies. Yeah. So I think, you know, having a good time and sitting there and being entertained, I never once felt like, you know, oh, God, is this movie over? Or, oh, God, there's this, this scene. Or I never felt like that. Never once. So I think if if... You know, if you're looking for a fun movie, you want to take the kids and go out and have a good time. And, and, uh, you know, I kind of want to read the book now to be completely honest with you. Um, and, and, and see if there's what was changed from the book to the movie. I had a great time. It's, it's a blast. That's the only way I'm going to describe it. It's a blast. Okay. Um, I pretty much agree with everything you just said, Ryan. Um, <laughs> it, there wasn't honestly. I didn't have a lot of expectations. Yeah, I, I didn't know what to think. Honestly, going into this, I know when I saw the preview, it looked gorgeous. The cinematography, it looked great. But I got a lot of goosebump vibe. I got a lot of Harry Potter vibes, and I was thinking, okay, well, yes, this book came out in 1973, so it was written before many of these different things that have now been adapted into movies. Yep. I'm like, well, is there room for another movie just like this? That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Is there going to be any originality? And that's one thing that I really appreciate about this movie is there was originality. It didn't feel like something we've seen before, which is the case with many of these kid movies that are kind of just churned out nowadays that they try to they try to strike lightning with the harry potter vibe typically. yeah yep. right and even though this was magic there was a kid involved there's witchcraft it, it didn't feel like harry potter nope, not it at didn't all. feel like goosebumps it, it's its own movie and i'm thankful for that because that's not what i wanted to say i didn't want to see a movie that i've seen a hundred different times yep uh this movie had a, a beautiful imagery well written well directed this is a movie that's not my cup of tea in terms of my normal go-to when I go see a movie on a Friday night or even renting a movie. I avoid kid movies for the most part, even though I have a kid because I just can't <laughs> get into them. This movie managed to capture my attention from the very get-go. And honestly, again, I wasn't really thinking I would walk out liking this. Despite the fact that Eric Kripke was writing it and Eli Roth was directing, I didn't think I would walk out of the theater thinking – this is a fucking good movie. Yeah. And that's exactly what I did when I walked out of the theater. <laughs> I was like, this is a good movie. Yeah. And the audience shares our opinions because they were enthusiastic by the end of the movie. Everybody was laughing throughout the movie. Everybody was chuckling. People cringed during some of those unsettling moments. I always love watching the audience at screenings because you can kind of gauge what the box office may end up right. being like. Yeah. 
And I feel like if people give this movie a fair shot, meaning the marketing has done its trick and people are like, I'm going to go check out that movie this weekend. Yeah. Then I think this movie has nothing to worry about because if people get their asses in the seats, they're going to enjoy the, it. They'll realize it's a fun movie. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the, that's the uphill battle for a movie like this nowadays with the, you know, with the, with the Harry Potters and the things that we've had come out, people are a little jaded. And I yeah. think, um, and also, I mean, it's hard for anything else to truly succeed unless you're a Marvel movie or a Star Wars movie nowadays. Yep. yep. So I think this one, this one is, is if, if people, they get the butts in the seats, man, I think people are going to be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Pleasantly surprised about a fun movie that I think, you know, like you said, I think both of us had the same expectations going in and we came out with the same kind of the same point of view, I think. on yeah. it. Yeah, for sure. All right. So let's go to a very quick break. And then when we get back, we'll jump into some of the uh, supernatural Easter eggs slash spoilers. We'll be right back. The Rain Man Show. The Rain Man Show. I was surprised that they even existed. I didn't even know. I thought they went belly up years ago. I didn't know right. Boy Scouts was still a thing. Well, because how many people know how to do any of that stuff anymore? Tie knots, help old ladies across the street. Every member of the kink community. Okay. But listen, the kink this community were not Boy Scouts. I guarantee it. <laughs> well... <laughs> useless skills that you will never use in your life except those lonely nights when you realize you're 40 you're a boy scout and you're a virgin <laughs> on your f- 48th camping then trip. you're going to be tying those sailor knots on those lonely nights on that noose <laughs> <laughs> for more rain man visit rainmanshow.com Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, DEAL30, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And for your viewing pleasure, six free spicy movies on DVD, plus free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. So go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code DEAL30. Again, that's DEAL30 because without it, no free stuff. That's DEAL30 at adamandeve.com. All right, welcome back everybody to the Crossroads Review slash Critique Revolve. Review on a house with a clock in its walls. All right, so let's get into the supernatural Easter egg. Uh, if you're a supernatural fan, you're probably going to want to listen to this. I don't think any of these ruin the movie. No. When it comes to the actual plot, I don't think no. any of this ruins the plot. No. But if you want to find those Easter eggs on your own, then you may not want to listen. Let's just start with the biggest one, in my opinion. The biggest Easter egg for Supernatural fans is without a doubt the fact that the yellow-eyed demon himself was in this movie. Yep. The Prince of Hell, Azazel. We and, both got a little giddy, right? I, I, oh, dude. And not only that, like, guys, obviously it's not what you're thinking, like, supernatural style, but 
he was fucking creepy looking. Oh my dude. god, he was scary looking. Yeah, like he was like this weird fat pot-bellied dude with like, like rumple still skin. Yeah, with right? like long creepy nails and like the yellow eyes. They gave him the yellow eyes too. Yeah. He looked like you know like the little the the gross like devil like imagery from back in the day where they're like a small the old por- portly bib- yeah, the biblical looking. Yeah. Like he was kind of like that. Obviously, he didn't have the horns and the and the tail, but that's kind of what they went with was yeah. the imagery of that. I Man, he was gross looking, dude. He was very scary. Yes. And when Jack Black said, That wasn't a witch. That was the prince of hell, you idiot. Yeah. I was like, Oh my I God. I was so happy because they threw in the Prince of Hell aspect and of course the name is Azel. So and I don't know if this was actually part of the book. I need a part of me wants to go now. It's and, so because what inspired what was Kripke when right. he was writing Supernatural inspired by this book? Because we know that this was uh, a childhood favorite of his or was the movie more inspired by certain elements from Supernatural? So I, I was at actually Barnes and Noble before we watched this mm-hmm. and the book is actually very short. So I feel like you could read it in probably a day or two. Mm-hmm. Um, so I may grab it and and read it just to see. Yeah. Um. But I, I also want to know too. Did 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 this have some kind of of you know um, influence on Kripke, Kripke writing Supernatural or adding Azazel to Supernatural because of the book? Yeah, um, I'd really like to know. Um, but yeah, that 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 scene, man, was just super creepy. And the way one of the things I, I wanted to mention too about that is the way he was sitting next to the fire, and the fire hit his face, mm-hmm. and you like it made the yellow eyes pop. Yeah, that's when I got really happy. Oh, man, that was, <laughs> that, yeah, that was creepy, dude. Super creepy. But I think there's going to be a lot of Supernatural fans that is going to jump out of their seat when they when oh, they hear yeah. that name. And then those yellow eyes, it looked just like yellow eyes. Those, yeah. Now, the creature itself did not look anything like the actor, but those eyes look just like oh, yeah. the yellow eyes from Supernatural. So that was exciting for Supernatural fans for sure. Um, also, there was another part. Uh, when the young boy Lewis is attempting to learn magic, he makes a face where he's like kind of cringing and Jack Black says, "You well, you look like you're just pooping. <laughs> it's a funny line, but also it's from Supernatural where Dean Winchester tells Castiel in the episode Mommy Dearest, Dean says, okay, well, you know, you don't have to wait on us. And he says, well, now it just looks like you're pooping. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's the direct w- line, a direct line. Yeah. So that's fun. Uh, the use of Enochian magic. Yes. So uh, one of the things that was really made me giddy too is when, yeah, I talked about it earlier was they were deciphering the map and you're looking at that map and you're like, man, those symbols look so familiar. I've seen mm-hmm. those symbols before, yeah. right? The Enochian magic in the, in the Enochian writing that was all over the, the, everywhere in that on that scroll was really cool to see i mean yeah the enochian's been you know we all know that that's a wide known thing but to see it you know after really the only time i've ever heard of it was supernatural was kind of cool yeah yes enochian magic has been a thing for quite some time and it's been put in various iterations of pop culture but again this brings me back to that question what inspired what was kripke pulling from 
that kid's book or was he pulling or was uh, this being inspired by Supernatural? Right. Either way, it works into this world because honestly, just this felt like a kid friendly ver a kid friendly universe of Supernatural. Honestly, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was great. warding. There were sigils. The iron. Uh, the, that's another Easter egg that Kripke actually said this himself on Twitter. That there was a specific scene where Jack Black character teaches his nephew how to repel evil with a certain type of metal. Huh. And it sounds exactly like Sam and Dean explaining how iron works, how against, iron spirits. works against spirits. And they specifically mentioned how why iron gates are in front of cemeteries, which was also explained in Supernatural. So that was fun. Uh, there was another one where he says he wrote uh, Kripke says he wrote into House with a Clock a few of the hoodoo objects in one of my favorite episodes, Crossroad Blues, are also in the film's dialogue, which I did catch that. Now, there was another one that I couldn't catch because I don't remember the episode, but apparently Kripke also wrote in the title via a dialogue from Jack Black's character the title of a season three episode about witches. Interesting. I didn't catch that one either. So there was five total that I actually caught. But according to Eric Kripke, there is over a dozen. We're going to need to. I want to watch it again. So I'll probably take my son to go see it. He'll probably be creeped out and probably piss himself. Because (laughs) honestly, I know my son. He's very easily scared. This one's going to do it. This is one of those movies that are probably going to scare the shit out of him because <laughs> the, the moment where we have the doll attack oh, dude. where all these you know mechanical Ugh. toys come to life and they're all there's how come there wasn't one normal looking fucking toy dude they, they were you know what the, all the creepiest toys they looked like they looked remember in toy story when the creepy toys come out from under the bed that's exactly what they look like dude they look like that only in real life version <laughs> dude that that they were just the creepiest fuck and that's the thing dude those weird automaton toys they had Ooh. back in the 50s were fucking weird man yeah they were weird and they weren't like anatomically correct they were all fucked up the heads were all like lopsided and shit <laughs> this thing dude that, that one that looked like a baby i was uh, like no man yeah fucking no that toy story comparison yeah it was perfect it's exactly what it was yep. dude yep. it was like the, the the abandoned toys come out from under the bed and the one that had like the fucking weird baby head mm-hmm. that was the one dude oh man that's sh- the, the creepiest part about that though was when they come out of the 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 room and mm-hmm. they're all just standing there staring at them yeah nah man i'm out well, I'm, that dude. was the moment when okay when they were kicked out of the home and then you had all the toys uh, by the window uh, keeping like, them from entering that's the moment when you look the other way, Ryan. I, yeah, dude. Like, Am the, I right? Because I, I saw, I think that's what you were doing. You kind of looked the other way. Like, all right, I'm, I'm done. Right? Like, I'm, I'm cashing out it, here. It, 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 it got me when they were standing there staring at them before they got thrown out. <laughs> oh man, that one got me. And then when the hand hit the, like the one toy's hand hit the wall and was like sliding down it, I was yeah. like, nope, <laughs> nope, I'm out. <laughs> I think the moment that that creeped me out. I, I, I have a, I guess. A fear, I guess that would be the right way to say it. I have a fear. One of my biggest fears is not being able to see things clearly through a window. Oh, like frosted glass. And you and- see something looking at you, but you can't quite see it. You can't make it out. And there was a part towards the ending of the movie where the main villain was 
in the upstairs of someone's home. I couldn't see him at first. And all you see is the circles of his glasses. <sighs> you vaguely can see them and it's looking right at you. And then when he moves, you realize that that is somebody looking at uh, you. That disturbs me. And uh, that was probably one of the, one of, I think that might be one of the bigger fears I had when watching this movie. The, the, the another shot that creeped me out too is it was right after that shot, dude, was when they opened the door and he's standing there and he's in all black and all you see is the circles of his glasses. That was such a good shot too. Yes. There was a, there was a lot of really good shots, but yes, that I didn't see what he saw the first time when he looked at the window and then he moved <laughs> and I was like, Oh, nope. Yeah. Nope. That's the same fear I have about going camping in the woods because you can't see anything in the woods. No. You you could be staring at someone a hundred feet and if they are wearing brown or green they're, they're invisible. They they're invisible. They're they're blend they blend right in. Yeah. So when I go camping, I have that fear and I try to never look straight out into the woods at night. Or even when it's <laughs> evening time, because I don't want to run the risk of seeing something move. <laughs> You're like, I need flashlight on 360 degrees. Oh, dude, I have like three flashlights. Oh, my God. <laughs> light up the entire area. Oh, Lord. Yeah. So, anyways, you know what? This concludes our review. I want to thank you, Ryan, for attending the screening with me. Absolutely. I had a lot of fun. Same. And uh, everyone out there, please go check out this movie. I think everyone would enjoy this film. It was fun. If you like our reviews, please check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, just search Critique Revolve or Supernatural The Crossroads if you're a Supernatural fan and you've never and you've never listened to our show. All right. That's it. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks, guys. Thanks.